how do you describe the Supreme Court of Canada? Some people came up with really interesting things like a pair of pants, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I chose um, the Supreme Court as a gardener. Honestly, that's a pretty good one. But I do feel like Richard's dying inside knowing that there's a whole class of budding constitutional lawyers who are learning to work in metaphors. Welcome to What's Law Got to Do With It? A lighthearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig. And I'm 3L law student Felicity Rudan. Felicity, how are things today? You know, same old steel, Richard. Slightly different steel because it's a new semester. So. The burnished steel or? Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Just a little tattered from the weather. Oh, looking okay. a little run down, you know. Yeah. It, it's weird doing a podcast like this where we record it quite frequently month or two before it gets launched so if people don't realize that we're talking about you know january just having come off a break and yet it's probably march when you listeners are listening so that's why yeah so your your steel has changed slightly over the holiday break is that with time yes yeah <laughs> so felicity my question to you today since again we're just starting up again and I didn't want to. You're going to ease me into yes, this? Yes, yes, very easily. Very kind. Uh, did you have a nickname in your younger days? And if you, if so, what was it? And if you didn't, why not? <laughs> so I feel like this is actually not an easy question because my friends who listen to this are now going to like just use it to make fun, as ammo to make fun of me. Um, oh, I had like a ton then. of nicknames um, because Felicity is like long and obnoxious. Um, so, but everyone sort of had a different one. So they're kind of anything out there that starts with an F is can has you, at one can point. You, can you throw a few out just for the, those curious um, listeners? Flick was probably the first one. And then my brother calls me Fliss. Um, FR sometimes, <laughs> Fell, Felly. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's quite a few. And you're right, they're all just meant to stop us having to say four syllables, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that, was, that wasn't that hard. But now no, not hard, but hard. Yeah, emotionally, you know, oh, scary I for me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, Flick, we'll move on. So uh, <laughs> I love this already. Uh, yes, I will. I've written them all down and use a different one each time. So. Okay. So today, as always, we have a guest, and our guest today is Nicholas. Nicholas, hello. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. To start um, things off. So, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Nicholas. Uh, I'm a one L uh, here at Osgood. Um, before I came to law school, I worked for four years as an urban planner. Uh, it was in my previous undergrad degree that I met my wife. We moved to England for about two years. Now we're back here in Toronto. Um, and I'm just kind of really excited to be on the show and talk a little bit about what 1L has been like for me and kind of relevant experiences. Yeah. And before we get into the standard question, which I know you are anticipating, what are your childhood nicknames? I feel like yours are oh. easier. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, so I'm half Dutch. And um, my mom would call me Clashia um, when I was younger, which is kind of like Nikki, because class, Nicholas, class, uh, that's the Dutch. And so a common sort of variation of that is Klazabas, which means like cute Nikki. 
And my brother, when I was younger, he reversed it and called me Balaza Cast, which means exploding cheese. So sometimes <laughs> I was called cheese or exploding cheese, and that was my nickname for a little bit when I was younger. But I prefer Nicholas now. <laughs> wow. Okay, exploding a, cheese. <laughs> That is a, ha- a mouthful, a handful. Man. I suppose you could always call me the big cheese. And <laughs> yeah. then, yeah. We could try that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. I, I love Felicity's interviewing style. She just takes the question I ask her and she always passes it along to the <laughs> guest. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a low preparation sort of situation. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Here. But it works. It works. So the second question we always ask, Nicholas. We don't need to ask you because you're aware of it. What is your a favorite or a, a memorable entertainment form that uh, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to broaden this out every time that is related to law? Um, I, wow, that's the first time I've heard that question. Uh, it was definitely definitely the Good Fight, um, which is a, a spinoff of The Good Wife, which is I think unlike other legal shows, actually fairly accurate description of the law um very realistic and i think the good fight is really great because it deals with law in i'll say a kind of woke setting like it's a mostly it's a majority black firm for instance it deals with these ideas of post-truth and you know fake news quote-unquote in a trumpian age Uh, who knows what they're going to do now that biden has been declared the victor um but yeah, I just, I thought it was a really fantastic show and I highly, highly encourage anyone to um, to check it out. Good, that's good advice. I I, I've, I watched both of those and, and did enjoy them both. So rarely do Which I- Which one did you like better? I think I like The Good Wife best, better than The Good Fight. Um, but they were, yeah, they're both really good, really good. And you're right, a little bit more realistic in terms of the legal content. Still mm-hmm. not not absolutely realistic. But Fair enough. close enough. At least everyone has gone to law school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep, don't get up. Adrian, how are you? Good. 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 Great. Listen, everyone at the network loves you. You're smart. You're articulate. The thing is, is we like it when you bring a little more heat to the panel. Oh, be the angry black man. God, no. That's an ugly stereotype. Just... Just go with your impulses. People are riled up these days. They want to hear someone saying what they're thinking. That's all. We're all looking for those viral moments. All right. I, oh, I liked the first two seasons of Suits. It was the it was after like season three or something that just went downhill. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that many, many, many times yeah. as well. So, so Nicholas, you uh, you came to us on this show because I, as you said you uh, you just finished first term I taught you criminal law and I asked I said to the class not jokingly but you know semi-seriously I guess that if anybody wanted to get onto the podcast now that I no longer teach you it's it's okay I don't like to have students on or I, in fact I, I I don't have students on that I'm currently teaching so you were the you were one of the first volunteers, so, uh, which brings you to the show. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it's always good to talk to people who've just finished their very first term at law school. How different are you now from in this, in January than you were back in September? Let's maybe that can open up a can of worms for us here. So to be honest, uh, I don't actually feel that I'm so different um now than i was back in september maybe a little bit more 
versed in jurisprudence and whatnot, but, uh, you know, I, I came into into the field of law with about four years professional working experience as an urban planner, and I, I came into law school knowing what I want to get out of it, and that's to become a, a planning lawyer at the end of these three years. So it's not so much that my view of myself has changed in law school, as I'm aware that sometimes it does for others who come straight out of their undergraduate degree. Uh, I think it's just given me a bit more perspective of what the law is and how not all of it is written in statute, for instance, like common law, the concept of that kind of blew my mind when I first learned about how it's actually formed. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it's really changed much about me personally, but it's made me learn more, of course. I'm very jealous. I feel like that must be something that comes with like knowing what you want to do when you grow up. And I'm still not there, and <laughs> I'm almost done. So I'm very jealous of that. Um, and I feel like maybe a part of it, I mean, for you, it does sound like you sort of know what you're doing and, and you've sorted it out. But I do wonder if this year, and you'll probably be able to speak to it more than I will, but having done one semester entirely online, I think it's very different. Like I know I went into law school thinking, I'm gonna approach it like a nine to five job. I've like kind of done that before. Um, and then it just went out the window. The second there was like a pub night every Thursday, like it became very all encompassing. So did you find you were able to sort of separate that out a little bit better given yeah. the, I guess, the benefit of the remote environment? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I've actually enjoyed the remote environment quite a lot. Like I got to spend more time with uh, my wife, who's just on the other side of this wall um, doing her work, um, which is great. I don't need to struggle through a long commute. And while I do miss what I guess has been described as like the classroom banter or the hallway banter, I've also heard from some upper year students that that can be kind of cliquey as well. So I'm happy to have avoided that also. Um, I think that I think that it probably will become more encompassing once I'm on the campus. And of course, I, I hear there's a very nice library that I've never <laughs> been able to use. So I'm sure I'll be spending some more time there. But, you know, for now, for now, I'm happy that it's not as encompassing, I guess. Yeah, maybe that is a positive, uh, one of the few positives that we can point to uh, as a result of this online learning. But you also, we've had we've had only one or two guests who we've targeted as knowing what they want to do before they come to law school and then affirming that through law school. And so you're another one of this very select category. Did you have contact with a lot of lawyers in your planning profession, which then led you to want to do this? Is that how it all came about or, or well, tell us how it all came about then. Um, oh God, that's actually a good question. Um, no, so in my undergrad degree, which was like from 2012 to 2016, we took uh, we took two planning law uh, courses. Uh, they were mandatory, and I really enjoyed them. Um, and I guess for me, I was getting a little bit annoyed as an urban planner, um, truthfully in part because I think it didn't pay as much as I wanted it to, and um, and also partially because I figured that every you know there are two, I'd say there. Are Okay, there are a bunch of routes that you can take as an urban planner, but two big ones are either plan making or reviewing development applications. I took the plan making approach thinking that would make a huge difference. Um, but there are like 400 and something municipalities in Ontario, right? Every official plan that you make or every secondary plan, which is a much smaller scale plan that you make, 
at the end of the day, I kept on thinking, this is great, but it's just, it's a drop in the bucket. And I want to just be able to, to create more of a systemic change. And, you know, I don't know how possible law school will make that dream. It could be that I'm stuck doing sort of doing the grind in just an entirely different kind of field of planning at the end of this, but at least I'll have that separate skill set. And I guess, yeah, that's sort of how my interest in law came about. Also, I remember being in high school and like witnessing some unjustness at like one of my classmates being excluded from the drama show and raising my voice saying one day I'm going to be a lawyer so that this kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. And yeah, I think maybe part of it was like stubbornness from 16 year old Blazakas or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> both, both good reasons. Uh, for sure. I can... so there are worse reasons to go to law school yeah. for sure. <laughs> and I can tell you for sure that you will probably get more salary <laughs> as a result of this no matter even if what you can achieve is, is no different you will be paid more for it uh that's the cynic in me though um go yeah ahead, richard Jason. now that you mentioned it now that you've opened that can of worms <laughs> well we're just going to bother you about tuition and your role on faculty council for the rest of this episode <laughs> uh that's too osgood centric <laughs> Yeah, Richard. How come? How come we've gone remote, and yet my can't afford you a better podcast microphone, huh? Oh, okay. Yes, this is all coming. This is, this microphone comes from student fees. Is that what you're saying? Is that, yeah. If uh, no, we the can't injustice. go there. We can't go there. I have no power over how much I get paid. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> Nicholas. When we were talking with you before the the recording began you were a character I, I one of the things i always have to ensure that guests realize is this is meant to be a lighthearted look at law life in law school it's so far you've we're, we're, our tone is correct so far i'd say um but you had a you characterized yourself in a way that i thought we have to get on air so because <laughs> as i say my worry is some guests will not be lighthearted so tell us that we want to we want you to paint us a word picture yes. of you as a person. Yes. So I've heard myself described before um, as a piece of pie. So uh, very serious on the top layer. And then once you delve underneath that hard surface, you encounter like the gooey, crazy part of the pie. And that's me and what people think they know once they become my friends. And then like once you delve underneath that to like the base of the pie is like just another layer of seriousness um so pie yeah so and the, it's too bad that listeners can't see because nicholas is very animated in describing the various layers as well as he went on <laughs> so Man, does that, we need to do yeah, a video podcast yeah, that's true. so does that mean though that is the, the the middle layer that filling layer will come out during your law school times. Yeah. Again, it probably less so online though, right? It's harder to do that on online than it would yeah. be always. Yeah, I mean, I think occasionally if you get me frazzled, like if I ask too many questions in a, in a course or something, I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted to do like, just one quick question and I'll get out of everyone's hair. And maybe the, the craziness comes out a bit there, but yeah, I, I describe myself as a very animated person and I definitely don't feel that comes about uh, through a Zoom call. Did you and I have one We're of those crazy We're only seeing the moments? top of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the bottom of the pie that I worry about, though. Uh -oh. 
Uh, you need a you need a foundation on which to base everything. My craziness is based on. I mean, I before I was an urban planner, I was an actor. I did a lot of musical theater. I love I love singing. Uh, and at the end of the day, that is the gooey core of the pie, <laughs> and I think that is my personality. But you also need a stable base of values on which to put that gooey craziness. And why not make that? base uh, a serious discussion about making the world a better place so that more people have the opportunities to be able to do artsy things like musical theater in the first place without working worrying about say the economic stability or where their next paycheck is coming from or being discriminated against for being a person of color and not being white i love this it's the you, we could go, this metaphor could carry us on throughout more than one podcast. I'm thinking now that you're putting a lot on pastry. Pastry is taking a lot of the weight here. But I wonder if our constitution then maybe we maybe they should be describing our constitution not a living tree but a pie. A pie. There's Ooh. a firm <laughs> firm pastry foundation. But with then, like different types of icing on it and like different layers. Yeah. yeah something to I really feel that this could crumble like a very weak pastry (laughs) real quickly (laughs) like a bad crust that's right and then we'd have to like Richard you'd have to explain that to your students about how it was your fault that we went from the living tree to the pie and I don't know that you want to stand in front of a uh, zoom room full of students and try and explain that just look it out no no well, and I'm on record. I've, I've I've published a paper where I say that judges should never use metaphors because all it does is just make things worse than they think it does. Because and so the whole. Tree, what about the living tree? Oh, I'm not a big fan of, of the living tree. <laughs> Metaphor, not doctrine. Actually, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, living tree is probably okay because it's been a hundred years of settled. Kind of metaphor, but you know, I was taking I was taking issue with the architecture in my article the architecture of the constitution bug, bugged me so we had for our um constitutional law course um to do uh, a few blog posts and one of them was how do you describe the supreme court of canada some people came up with really interesting things like a pair of pants which i'm still trying to wrap my head around i chose um the supreme court as a gardener oh. so you might like do the planting and stuff of the seeds the pulling of weeds you know getting rid of laws that maybe be all that no- to the living sense, tree but at the end well. of the day, you know, yeah, that's... what is the gardener doing and planting in the first place? <laughs> Honestly, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. But I do feel like Richard's dying inside knowing that there's a whole class of budding constitutional I'm... lawyers who are learning to work in metaphors. Yeah, I know. I'm a bit worried. Well, first of all, I'm worried, but I'm intrigued because as long as you're not a judge, it's okay. But uh, <laughs> pants. So did these get expressed in the class? Is that how you knew that somebody described it as pants or was that a f- friend? It, no, it was like a, an open blog. Oh, so okay. we, uh, on certain weeks, we had to post different, um, different, articles or thoughts about questions that were asked in the Was, class. Were pants okay, I'd like your take on this because to me, that sounds awful. I feel like whenever I get an assignment from a prof like that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, just ask me a legal question. How did you like it? Did the inside of your pie really like jive with that assignment? The inside of my pie loved it actually. And I, <laughs> I, think, um, I think our professor really asked us, she said, look, this can be fun. And she was like in brackets, okay, it's fun in a lawyer type of way, but still. And um, I don't know, I I took joy in it and just, you know, I've heard one of your previous episodes, Richard, where you talked about 
um, doing a, a torts exam and writing it like a dialogue between Socrates and your professor and, and getting as you know, I, I kind of took it in the same vein of fun as that. <laughs> a bold choice because Richard did not do well on that yeah, exam. Yeah, everybody remembers yeah. that. But as long as it's not worth a lot, I think the pants, was the pants the most bizarre one? I think so. Some other people came up with like a tandem bicycle, which was supposed to represent federalism, like between, uh, you know, the federal government and the provinces. Um, I think pants was. Oh, and another one was uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, like a squabbling set of parents. Um, Yeah, they all want to do what's best. But sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out. Now that I think about it, I think it was. I think it wasn't just a metaphor for the Supreme Court of Canada. I think it was a metaphor for the court in um, regarding division of power cases. Oh, a specific specific federalism metaphor. Yeah. I wonder what our our previous uh, guest, Felicity Dillon, who I taught a year before would have come up with because he- A lewd selfie, perhaps? He would have been out there. the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, anyway, that, that, well, that's interesting. So I was gonna all we we just got off on a tangent for about three minutes because when I what I was gonna ask you, Nicholas, when you talked about being you know a, a dramatist, an actor, and and I wondered, Felicity is very much destined, I think, to become a litigator. It's a very it is a it's a, it's a it's a form of theater, and I just wonder if you have any interest, even though despite your interest in planning whether you could marry that with interest in theater and become a litigator have you thought of that yeah did you have a chance to do any mooting in your first semester no i haven't had that chance yet but i think we're supposed to do it in about a week for our ethical lawyering class oh yes and then don't you have a a, another moot later on in the term Perfect. There is one There's one that's organized by the Mooting Society at Osgood, and I would recommend it. Anyone out there who's listening, who's in 1L, even if you don't think you want to be a litigator, I mean, there's nothing to lose. Give it a shot. It's pretty fun. <laughs> that, that's a little uh, hard. That Was that the hard sell or the soft sell for Mooting? Oh, God, I don't know. I could do a harder sell if you wanted one, but I feel like we, you know. We've done pie. We've done metaphors. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> I can't even remember if I've said on this show before that I was the only year. Yeah, I think I did. I said that I'm the only year at Dalhousie's history, one of the oldest law schools in the country that did not have a mooting requirement because <laughs> we fell through the cracks. But I also had a colleague at Osgood when I first joined Osgood on the faculty who absolutely hated moots. He thought that students should not do moots. It was completely inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. And he would, he would, and they, of course, everybody gets asked as a faculty, will you help judge some of the, you know, the legal process moots or the equivalent? And he was adamant that he would never, ever judge a moot. I'm taking Why? a stand. I, he had a very complicated and principled reason, but of course, I can't remember a single reason, a single part of that. Uh, I think crusty old pie that man uh, was it could have had something to do with you know moots are typically appellate work you never get to do appellate work until you're at least 10 years into it things like that that could be set your sights lower students (laughs) but also that not everybody who goes to law school wants to be a litigator and you're forcing you don't force them to draft a business contract why do you force them to litigate anyway I'm just throwing it out there I think it's a good I think it's good to uh practice some oral advocacy right yeah i think it's useful even if you don't want to be a litigator so maybe i'm continuing my pitch to you nicholas that you should try it out because even if you don't want to be a litigator just the practice of like 
preparing what you're going to say and crafting an argument and then delivering it while your hands are shaking and you know it's a whole mess it's a, it's a good thing to try out <laughs> well and get you know, on i'll check it out yeah well and it's the instant feedback or instant criticism mm-hmm. that that really mm-hmm. actually hones skills that that you just yeah there's no other real opportunity to get that so all of this is to say Felicity and I are heavily involved right now. Well, Felicity more so than me. She's she's on the Wilson moot team and I'm coaching it. So we're, I guess we've got mooting on the brain, do we? Yeah, no kidding. We should really do an episode on that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we could moot. We could have an episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Practice what you preach, Felicity. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Nicholas, what, we got to go back to you. We're, sometimes we we just, we just cut the guest out, don't we? We just kind of <laughs> it's up to the guest to interpose themselves into this conversation. Um, no, any other any anything else about your first year experience that you want to add? Uh, how did you get did you get to know any of your classmates very well? Again, this is the typically this is yeah. the online experience versus the non online experience. I, so in in mid October, um, we had like a wine Zoom night, which honestly I thought would be a complete disaster because, um, just how do you how do you talk in a room of so many Zooming people? But I think there were about eighteen of us, and somehow it worked very very well. And you know, we just got on. Um, we made fun of all our of our professors. No, I'm just joking about that part. Um, yeah, just egg. Yeah, yeah, just one. <laughs> I, said, I did. I did make a reference to you, Richard, um, but in a good way. I said um, I was. I was talking. We were all talking about like synchronous, asynchronous, and I was saying how I really love the uh, the asynchronous um, lectures, and I hope it continues because uh, I guess maybe this just speaks to some strange dark part of me as a person, but there was something very soothing about like, and I'm a night owl too. So there's something very soothing about being on my computer. It was like one, 2 a.m. as like, press play. Okay, podcast number 45, RV Ledoux. Man got shot in the back with a shotgun. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's like a horror movie. At oh two my in God, the that sounds terrifying. <laughs> uh, um, in, reg- in regards to your original question though, um, yeah, I'd say there were one or two classmates who I managed to uh, sort of make friends with. Um, but I think it's harder, again, to have those kind of spontaneous interactions that make you want to continue carrying on a dialogue with that person. Um, despite how I present myself, I'm a little bit of an introvert and I can also be kind of shy. So I don't necessarily always feel like reaching out to someone. I prefer for that connection to happen organically. And I think that Zoom is definitely not the place where organic meetings really happen all that often. Like, and God, I'm just going to like go on a tangent here, but I think this is the problem with COVID. When it started, all of us were saying, gosh, it's really hard. You know, we're missing our family or our friends and those people who we hang out with and we're really close with. And I think, yeah, maybe that's true. Um, Like maybe you can't see people in person, but you have those video calls and things, and I think that provides a decent level of substitution. What I think we really miss with COVID are the the intangibles that provide that sense of community. Small talk, you know, going grabbing a coffee in the morning. I was at a, a dentist appointment downtown um, like three weeks ago or something over the holidays, and I got out of the subway, and I just heard two random passes by one of them completely complaining to the other, talking about his divorce and how he was going to take everything 
And I was like, oh, God, that's terrible. And also, yeah, I miss this small talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true, though. Those little uh, overheard conversations, especially if you take the subway, which... We yeah, often, it's not. Yeah, it's not the big things and the big connections that creates community. It's the small things, the smaller underpinnings. That's a great way to tie up this whole episode because when before Felicity came on, Nicholas and I were talking about how it's some of the some of the things that are important are the little things. You have to make you got to really focus on little things during this time because yeah, many of those other bigger things are just not happening. Like travel, for instance, I was—I've been looking at a lot of student uh, CVs or resumes because I'm writing reference letters, and at the bottom of so many of them, interests travel. <laughs> I think yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> that's an interest you're not going to have at least this year. Uh, anyway, so that you need was to pick cool. up more little things. Yes, always little things. That's going to be my next question to you, Felicity. Start of the next episode. What little thing okay. have you done today? <laughs> On that no, note, I, on that, yes, on that note, shall we end it here? Thank you we so have. much, Nicholas, for, uh, and for being, you know, it's always tough to be the first one from section C of this year to volunteer. I really appreciate it. It's nice to have you. Uh, you know, happy nice to do it. Yeah. If you ever need me to provide some singing or background music to like fade out the episode, you know, just give me a, give me a shout. Why, I want you to record a new version of what's love got to do with it. We can. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> like karaoke version? Yeah. And saying what's law got to do with it instead? Yeah. You yeah, want to do make that? that oh, wow. There. That's a promise. I'm holding you to it. Okay. All right. Thanks. On that note, before he recants, we got to yeah. end this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks.